going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Ben of the band Quarters of Change over Zoom video. Ben was born and raised in New York, and he talks about how he got into music. He lost his father at age three. And his dad was a musician songwriter. He actually wrote for the Blue Oyster Cult. And he was able to show us a gold record that was issued to his dad, which is really cool. He ended up moving to Portland, Oregon when he was in fourth grade. And when he was there, he had already been taking some guitar lessons. But when he got to Portland, he joined the School of Rock. He had the opportunity to move back to New York, summer going into eighth grade. That's where he met the drummer of his band and the rest of the band in high school. They formed Quarters of Change in high school. He talked about releasing and recording their first album, the success of the song Kiwi, getting signed to 300 Entertainment, the huge success of the song Jaded and uh, the big TikTok moment that came with that song, writing the theme song for Netflix's Bubba Wallace docuseries called Race, and all about the success of the brand new song, which is called T-Love. You can watch our interview with Ben on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with quarters of change. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Dude, no, thank you so much for having us. Cool. Um, so this, I'm Adam, and the podcast is about you guys in your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about the, the new music you have coming out. Dope. Dope. Cool. Uh, so first off, where were you born and raised? Um, so I was born in Brooklyn, New York raised in brooklyn my dad died when i was three we moved to 14th street after that stayed in 14th street moved down to like the tribeca area lower manhattan um my parents then my mom got remarried and then they thought it would be a great idea to move out to portland oregon and oh, wow. live out That's the rest of our, <laughs> our lives there um ended up only spending three years in Oregon before I was offered the opportunity to come back. I accepted it in about two seconds <laughs> Moved back <laughs> to the city for eighth grade. Um, oh, wow. met, met our drummer Attila at, at the middle school, went to ninth grade, met the rest of the band all in ninth grade. We became like best friends. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, really since then we've just been together hanging out in Manhattan. Wow. Okay. I'm, first off, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. That's that's no, awful. Um, and secondly, so you were in Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm not familiar with New York at all. So you said that you moved to what 14th Street? Is that fairly close by, or like is that a totally different neighborhood? It's, uh, yeah. So I, Brooklyn, I lived in like the like around like Park Slope area, um, and then 14th Street is like mid, like it's like little bit lower than it's like lower Manhattan, but mm -hmm. not quite lower Manhattan. It's above like Canal Street. Um yeah, it's like a different borough. Got it. Got it. And then yeah. you lived there until you moved to Portland. How old are you when you made the move to Portland? I was um I was in Portland from fourth grade to sixth grade. So oh, okay. 
Yeah. So a handful of years there, right on. Um, and then you made it back to New York. We'll get to that. But how did you get into music? Were you playing music before you yeah, so moved out my, to Portland? So basically, so like my birth dad was uh, a musician and he died when I was three and sort of like the only thing I had to like, he didn't like leave me a note. He didn't leave me like anything to really like know him by, mm-hmm. but um, he was a musician. So he did leave behind a bunch of like songs and, um, that's sort of like the only things I really had to like go off of, like trying to figure out like who he was. So ever oh, wow. since oh, I so was, he had like, a bunch of recorded music that you yeah, had, yeah. had access to. Wow. So yeah, ever since I, ever since I like could listen to music, um, I would be listening to that and really trying to read into it. And I, and I loved it. And it, it basically like, um, he was almost like in a way, like, like a bit of a comic, um, so he definitely like had humor in the songs and like they meant something a little bit more than just like a song, um, which was something I always really kind of appreciated about it. But it was like it was some like hardcore, like New York City, like pub rock um, type, oh, okay. type deal that uh, I think I basically like kind of grew up on. He he um, he actually he, he wrote. Um, I don't know if you can see it. I don't know where it is in my room, but oh, right, right here. Uh, I got this gold record for. Um, he wrote. He wrote. He wrote for the Blue Oyster Cult. Oh no um, way! Yeah. So on Fire of Unknown Origin, he has like a couple songs on there. So um, you know, I've had I've had that, and that was like always really cool. I always got to That's look at so that. cool. Um. So definitely like, but he himself never really got any, um, any real recognition, any, any real like progress in the music industry. He ended up becoming like a, like a high school teacher. That's how he like met my mom. Okay. But he um, still was a songwriter, obviously. And, and wrote yeah, yeah. And he, he songs wrote, on for those records. Yeah. yeah. He wrote, he wrote until he died basically. Um, and it was, I always thought it was such bullshit. Cause like my, my brother, uh, I have an older brother. He got a song. And, um, and when I was younger, my mom used to always tell me that it was also about me, except the only thing is in the song, he like shouts out my brother by name. He goes, Jacob. Uh, I'm just like, damn, like now, now I just know. (laughs) know, (laughs) Oh man. Definitely tough. tough. Uh, Did your brother play music? No, no. He was a professional ballet dancer though. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he went still in the arts, but didn't uh, a different route than than you yeah, went. Yeah, definitely, definitely more of a, a a physical route. Okay. So obviously, growing up, knowing that your dad was a musician and, and a great songwriter, that you drew you to that. And then, how quickly did you want to kind of follow in his footsteps? I mean, I joined my first like I've always wanted to like. I remember. Um, you know, I was definitely the kid that was always pushing like a family karaoke night. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but my like earliest actual member, I I started taking guitar lessons when I was in third grade. Um, and then when we moved to Portland, I joined like the school of rock in Portland. Oh, cool. Um, And that like sort of allowed me to live out some of those dreams, Mm -hmm. but it really like, it really it really wasn't until, you know, I met the guys and we formed the band that it felt like um, it really felt like I was doing what I wanted to be doing. 
if that makes any sense. No, totally. But at least you had, you know, the experience as far as like learning guitar lessons and then going and playing from what I hear about school of rock. I mean, you're put in oh, pretty sick. much a yeah. band, right. And you're doing covers and you're playing shows. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, cool. I was doing like, I was doing like sound garden covers when I was in like <laughs> fifth grade. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, a little, a little, a little last kid just like trying to sing like Chris Cornell. It, it really, <laughs> it really did not work so well, but. But still, I mean, wow. Were you, so you were the singer, always a singer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you ended up getting the opportunity to move back to New York. You said around seventh, eighth grade. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what allowed that? Uh, I don't know if you even care to tell, but. I think, how- you know, it was kind of like my parents like they always told me you know they read like a new york times article about how portland was like the the next like big thing like the next big city to like go and like relax and retire and basically and that's how they like made the decision mm-hmm. um and we get out there and we spend like three four years and they kind of just like look at each other and they're like yeah like we're so bored like this is <laughs> <so> horrible <laughs> like you cannot live like that my grandma too um, was dying and she was in the city. So it was hard for my dad. Um, so he, 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 he just basically like he, he, they came down to my room one, one day and they were like, Hey, like, I know like, you're just kind of like finally getting settled in here. But like, if you had the opportunity, like, would you want to move back? Mm-hmm. I literally like, I look down, I look up and I'm like, as soon as possible. Like, <laughs> You're like, should I start packing now? Or? <laughs> yeah, like, literally. literally. And, like, it was like something like three months later, like we were back in the city. Oh, okay. So your whole family <laughs> ended up moving back? Yeah. So basically okay. my brother, my brother um, in eighth grade moved out. He's two, three years older than me. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he ended up going to boarding school for ballet in eighth grade. Okay. So he left, he left, it was only me. It was only me, my, my mom and um, my new dad. And um, so, yeah, it wasn't that hard of a decision to make. Sure. Kids, yeah. It's kind of, I don't know. Like, did you grow up in like a, like, where'd you grow up? San Diego. San Diego. And, yeah. Yeah. And like, like the neighborhood, like did all those kids like grow up together too? Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, everyone kind of grew up together and I, it, I would imagine it being very hard to just move into a neighborhood and being like, okay, Hey, you know, and you're like, yeah. mid, like the end of elementary school type deal. Yeah. And then, like kids are like meanest at that time too. Oh, you know? sure. Like, yeah. Middle school is the worst. Yeah. It's like anyone that like moves in is just kind of like, you know, <laughs> I feel bad because I did that. I just recently did that to my older son. We moved from San Diego to Nashville, and it was like he was in eighth or seventh grade, and we're like, oh, "Sorry," yeah. <laughs> but like it was a COVID, so I guess there was that little barrier that nobody yeah. was really going to school. But still, yeah, like, I, mean, hey, I feel you bad. You don't, you don't got to have. You know, there's no one anyways. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so you ended up moving back to to New York, and yeah, said ninth grade is when, or you met one of the members in eighth, in eighth grade to, to new, yeah like the summer going into eighth grade okay and then yeah. you met one of the guys in the band and then met the rest of the band once you made it yeah you just like school. ended up like uh the drummer until like he just like ended up like just like being at my middle school and we just like we, we were like we were friends we, we actually weren't like best friends in in eighth grade like he had his own like group of people mm-hmm. and like I, I like sort of found like my own group of people um 
but then like when we went into ninth grade to the same high school we like we stayed together a little bit more we like finally got to like talking a bit more um he joined like the the band the school had like a band program Mm -hmm. he joined like the band program ninth grade and that's how he met um our guitarist jasper and our other bass player um that's no longer with us adrian and um it wouldn't be and we we have another guitarist his name is ben acker but he didn't join until uh like 12th grade basically oh okay okay so when did you guys kind of start jamming together or when do you start jamming with the drummer was that even in eighth grade or not until no no that so uh i didn't start jamming we didn't we didn't start jamming until like end of ninth grade that was like the first time that we like you know we went over to attila the drummer's house and like you know, we were discovering weed for the first time. Um, okay. <laughs> we were, we, he had like a drum kit there because he, he like played drums and some guitar amps and Jasper, our lead guitarist, his father is also a musician um, and he's just like, the, he's like a fucking virtuoso. So okay. he, you know, we started doing like Hotel California. We literally have, it's so crazy. Like we have a video of like the first time we ever played music together. Which is wow. like insane, and, and it's cool. covering like just like an impromptu like Hotel California cover, um, <laughs> and we look like such little babies in it, and it's so adorable. But That's I, such I a think rad so thing wild. to have. I know <laughs> for the documentary, you know, for the documentary, exactly for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So then you what? You continue playing cover songs, and when do you start writing yeah, originals? So, uh, basically like we just we we like we hung out that summer a lot we chilled we we wrote a lot of co- or we played a lot of cover songs and then um the next year is when i joined i joined the band program um and okay. i ended up getting placed in a band with it was all of us plus these two other girls um but you know like us being the dudes that we are the girls quickly left um uh, <laughs> they did not <laughs> like, uh, they did not they did not like the fart jokes and the, the, the immaturity of, of it all. Yeah. Were you <laughs> um, singing but, also for the when you joined the band? Mm-hmm. Or the band yeah. program at school? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um yeah. Bit of a <laughs> no, I'm not gonna expose it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um that's funny. Um so so Okay, so the band starts, you guys start doing covers, and then when do you when does the band like officially start of quarters of change? Like when do you guys go, okay, this is like a thing, let's continue, we want to do this? Yeah, so I think um the start of eleventh grade or start of sorry, sorry, like middle midway through tenth grade, um, the music department at, at our school started this um elective that was called like uh, basically it was like a learn how to record, like learn how mm-hmm. to like record elective and me, Attila and Jasper all took it. Um, and that was when we sort of started really realizing that, Hey, like, is, you know, it's possible to record music and um, you know, the school had mics and like, it was all kind of like laid out in front of us, like for us to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one was really taking advantage of it. So as we like learn more and more, it didn't make sense for like, at least we, we felt like it didn't make sense for us to record covers. Like, sure. That, that, you know, I'm not, not saying it's, it's wrong to record covers, but 
for us, it was like, if we, if we were going to record something, like let's record some original music. Like we were great, like we're great players. We've, we've played all these songs. We, we you know how to do that. Like let, let's, let's move on to the next step kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we wrote probably like end of 10th grade um, is when we, we wrote our first song, which is called hot blazing sun. Um, and we ended up recording it in the as part of like the final for that um, for that that elective, and um, it went really great. We still didn't have like a band name, but we had the piece recorded. We started writing other songs, and then come eleventh grade, uh, we start brainstorming names for the band. Get get basically around the block, you know. After a couple horrible horrible names we had the pasta <laughs> sauce prostitutes the putinesca um lime <laughs> for a second <laughs> um and it wasn't until it wasn't really until um quarters of change that we were like yes okay now we can like start like the name really had to be the basis for everything to like, right. move off of mm-hmm. um set up like the Instagram that day, like did, did all like the things to finally like just cement it, um, move forward with releasing hot blazing sign as a single. We then like would sneak into the school after hours, go down to the like recording rooms and like set up. And, uh, we basically recorded like a eight, eight song album, um, all like by ourselves in the basement. And it was, that was like, I remember being like, that was probably like the most fun that like I've ever had in school. Uh-huh. Um, Cause it was like, you know, everyone, <laughs> it would be like, people would like skip, like different people would skip classes to go do like overdubs. And like, sometimes I just leave class and I remember being like, damn, like I'm really leaving class right now to go down and like record our like debut album. Like, that's so awesome. Yeah. Um, that's rad. <laughs> yeah. There was some, there was definitely, they closed the bathrooms down at a certain point. So there's definitely some like pee in bottles, some like, some very like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> some man. Very, like but, but all stuff that we felt was very quintessential to the rock and roll experience. For sure. Wow. Okay. So then you record this record or these, this album, and then do you start just trying to play around New York? Is that the next? Yeah. So, so then we get, we get these songs sort of ready. We start booking shows first show, you know, iconic venue place where all people I felt like should start was bitter end Mm -hmm. um, in New York city. We go, we play our first show there. It, like the, the thing about the bitter end to me is, um, you know, I love it. Historical venue, great place, but there's, there's seating. Um, it's like, there's a stage and there's just seats. Oh, uh, I've never like, been there. That's interesting. There's for, seats there. Yeah. So just like, I don't know, like for rock and roll, I'm just kind of like, you know, we're up there doing like a gent section and like, people are just like politely. It's like a gent, like, I don't know. It's like a, like, it's like a Bob Dylan, like, you know, single acoustic guitar. Vibe. Yeah. Like singer songwriter so type thing. But it'd be like rocking out that hard. Just felt like a little awkward. So we, we ended up graduating from the bitter end to Rockwood, which is like a slightly larger venue that has like no seating. And that was like, sort of like our second home for a while. Okay. Um, and then, you know, 12th grade rolls around. We've released, we finally, we finally released the project. Um, things are going like, pretty well uh 
we're like tighter than ever at all the like at all the like um battle of the band shows and stuff too like we keep getting like wilder and wilder like we mm-hmm. performed that year with like i remember it was we we wore just robes and with nothing <laughs> under it and like we hopped yeah. on the stage and we started doing like i think we opened with breed by nirvana Oh, that's it awesome! Such a, it was just such a vibe. Um, it, we covered in that in that time. It was mostly Red Hot Chili Peppers covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we really love the Chili Peppers, um, but a lot of like Rage Against the Machine. You know, just like some hard shit. That's right. what, that's that's really where like our hearts were. Um, and. After that, we made a bit of money off of the shows to the point where we were like, all right, like we have, and we, we started getting a lot better at songwriting and mm-hmm. we were like, okay, so we have some money. Um, that's when we wrote Kiwi basically during that, that time period. Okay. If you're familiar, but no, yeah, we took it to, um, we found like one studio and we were like, all right, we're going to book like one eight hour session. Um, not enough time not enough time at all <laughs> learned that very quickly but that was like okay. all the money we had uh we ended up recording that cyclone trips ep which is now the only ep that really remains from that time on streaming platforms we kept mm-hmm. the original album on like Bandcamp and stuff but we just kind of felt that sonically like it wasn't up to like the par of like what we wanted people just to be streaming we weren't like sure. it's not it's not about being like ashamed of like you know, like the first songs we've really wrote. Um, like I think they're fucking bangers. Like I love those songs. And like uh it was just it's just really like we didn't know what we were doing when we were recording it. Like the room wasn't treated like it just like it just kind of hurts your ears a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want that to like taint anything. Right. Um, and and I felt like we weren't turning our back on like our high school era because we still have pieces from the high school era up. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so we, we, we get those three songs recorded um, and end up moving. We end up only really getting like two of them. We set up like a DIY recording studio in Attila's basement. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, that's where we, you know, we left for college after that. And the only time that we really had was like little breaks in between. We'd come back, we'd like rush a song and it kind of would be like, for a little bit at least, at least that freshman year when everyone was so busy, like Jasper and Attila both went to like music schools. So like, you know, we, we were under the assumption that, you know, maybe they, they would join a band there and that would become their main priority. Um, but it would be like, oh, we just have to record one more song. Like we have this one song and like that song's the song. So like, as long as we just like record that one, then like we're good and we can like, we can move on almost. Uh-huh. And it kept getting like that until it, it just like kept going like that. Um, and it'd always be one more song. And it'd always be one more song. And we'd, we'd come and we'd do it in like two weeks and we wouldn't have a lot of time, but we'd like we'd bang it out and it'd be fucking amazing. And we'd feel that feeling again. And it would just be like really reinvigorating. Um, and uh basically it continued like that until COVID summer okay. and then COVID summer hit. And, um, at that point, like I hated school <laughs> at that point too. Like, uh, we had released the, the Hey EP, which was like our first body of work post high school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and even though it was the first body of work since high school, like Kiwi was on that. And so like, it was like a bit of a mix. Um, and Mean Queen was on that, which is also from high school. Uh, so I guess it, it really was like the final, the final bunch of songs that we had written in high school. Like in high school. Got it. And it got like, it was the first time that we like really, re- like we released something that was received like just so well. Mm-hmm. Um, people were like really kind of amazed by it and it felt like we had gotten that just that like little bit of reward that we had been searching for for years um just like from our peers and from others that like we had never really gotten before uh it's interesting to note maybe too that like you know course of change was never accepted by a scene in new york uh, every time we'd play and like people would say like, Oh, I'm going to bring like an industry person. And they're going to like, tell you like how you guys are. The note would always be the same. It'd always be like a, you have like too many, sorry. Like you have like too many, um, too many like different sounds. And like, you need to like be like fit into like one, uh, one sound. They wanted you to be like in one box. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah. Got yeah. It. And like, this is a similar way with like, you know, like we couldn't fit into the shoegaze scene, even though we were rock because we weren't playing strictly shoegaze. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you know, we weren't like bullied at all. And then we weren't like cast aside as like, oh, like those are just like nerd musicians. Like that wasn't us. But like at the same time, like it was sort of a, I think people were like, we're going to wait and see what happens with these people before we like, really do anything like for them or like pay attention to them Mm -hmm. um, type deal which was always something that like kind of it like pushed us to be more like self-reliant like we had to every show that we had to throw like we had to throw by ourselves like there was no other bands to really call upon at that time too there just wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot of bands in the city really like operating like especially at like a high school level Um, right right do you know the band Hello Mary? I'll plug them. Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't. They um their drummer Stella Branstool is like one of my best friends. Dated our drummer Attila. Um, ama- like she 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 runs a sick ass band. Uh, and they they play like shoegazy stuff. Um, but she like we kind of like all started at the like same time as being like the. We weren't like there. There were definitely like other bands before us, but like for especially like our grade, like it was really just like three bands, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, you know, I look at this the scene now or whatever, and I don't know. I'm like I'm pretty proud of New York. Like there's like at least that I know of. There's like <laughs> at least like ten, eleven, twelve different like high school bands like operating, going around doing like, the same things that like we were doing, and it's super it's super dope to see. And yeah, that is awesome. really that's cool to see the scenes continuing to grow. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like you know the other way around, right? <laughs> like yeah. no one's forming bands anymore, and it's just kind of going away. But yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so with yeah. Kiwi though, like, did you see success on that song just like on streaming platforms or like? Yeah, was it so just, I mean like, the thing the thing with Kiwi was so we released Kiwi, and um, I was sort of like obsessed with like the stats at the time, mm-hmm. and it was the first song that I noticed like every single day there was getting like between like 300 and like 500 streams, which is like granted, like that's like nothing. 
Like it's not yeah. like, but it's still like that's now. huge. But like right? a band that like has like, you know, I think before we released it, we had like 800 monthly listeners or something. So like that every single day, I was like, damn. And we, we, we grew to like 3000, 5000. Um, mm-hmm. And then it would really, it really was just like, you know, like nine months later, I wake up one morning, I go and I like look at the Spotify for artists and it just says like 120 people listening right now. And I'm just like, wow. what? and that day, like Kiwi got 12,000 streams. And basically since then, it's just been, it's been going crazy. Um, and it had always been, and this is, I'm so happy we're doing this podcast right now because I can finally say it became like the bane of our existence. Cause it was like, like really like that's the one song we like wrote in high school is like the biggest song. And it's like, okay, like, can we please top that? Like, please. Um, and we, <laughs> Finally, we finally we when we put out T Love, the last single that we put out mm-hmm. is now the number one, the number one song. We fucked up Kiwi. We knocked that one <laughs> down, and I couldn't be more happy. That's incredible. I was gonna say not only that though, like you had aside from that's awesome that that song did really well and it was a thing from your high school, but like you have a song on like a Netflix docu series. You yeah. you know got signed to a record label. You had like I want to hear about this like TikTok moment with Jaded too. Yeah, um, like so yeah, other there, big things obviously have happened, yeah. but that is rad to say that like you know your most current single is the one that's crushing, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not to, yeah, not but then, to like push becomes, that to the side, but that's that's huge. Yeah, yeah, well, then it becomes like a whole other pressure where it's like, all right, now top that, like <laughs> that one. Now. It's like, oh, shit. like you end up just like shooting yourself in the foot. But um, yeah, so we got the opportunity to submit like um, the label. Like we we got signed um, last, basically like around this time last year, based um, off of Kiwi or like what what drew their attention. Of, so. Okay, I'll, I'll, so during that like COVID writing period, um, our drummer Attila, like he had he dropped out freshman year of college. Um, we're mm-hmm. like all right now we're technically seniors in college, uh, right. except we're all, all now dropped out. Um, he started like a studio of his own um, at the at this space at Thompson Street in Brooklyn, and it's where you would go. Like we basically formed a pod during COVID. It was just us. We'd meet every single day. We'd go to the studio. We'd write, we'd write, we'd write. And um, we got to the point where we were like, okay, uh, I'm a massive Strokes fan. Um, talk about like New York city, alternative rock. Sure. Like, yeah. Legends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had followed like their story really closely to the point where I was like, okay, so like the Strokes, what they did is they released this three song EP. It basically went, crazy around the world and they ended up getting signed off of it and then they made their first album off of it so i was like okay so we need to take like our three strongest songs and we're going to package it into an ep and we're going to put it out and then after that we're going to get signed and then after we get signed we're going to go and we're going to drop this 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 first project and it's going to be massively successful um so that ended up being the innocent ep um and there was a lot of definitely like when it was finally like ready and we were about to roll it out, there was a couple drunk conversations walking home, like hugging each other, being like, yeah, like it sounds so good. Like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, we put out the first two songs from it, which was the first one was down that road. The second one was dancing. And the third one was just like the innocent whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up getting a lot of like editorial support from Spotify which is how all these labels basically find new acts. 
Sure. Um, so we almost immediately started getting hit up by like um, Mason Kinsune hit us up to do like a single deal uh, Warner or 300. Wow. Yeah. Um, and we, we talked, we, we, we ended up talking to a bunch of different people and, and, and um, it really, at the end of the day, we formed this relationship with um, this A&R guy named Jonah Rappaport at 300. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he was just like, he was like an amazing guy. Um, he clearly really believed in us. Um, and, you know, he was just like saying like, you know, like if you guys have the vision, like we can, we can bring you there. Um, and luckily we had a, a Ben Acker's dad is a, is a music lawyer, um, which was like <laughs> the best Asset in the world I was gonna down. say, yeah, wow, so what a, what he a... Helped, yeah, <laughs> he, helped, he helped like sort of put that that deal together. Um, we ended up signing with them, and we had this whole body of work ready to go, like this whole album that we were gonna release independently. But like after we got signed, we sort of looked at each other and we were like, Yeah, they opened up like a recording budget to us, we can finally go into like real studios, and mm-hmm. we were like, All right, like you know, like this matters like a lot now. Like mm-hmm. we need to like, we only, you only really get like one shot at it. Right. Uh, at least, you know, that's what I was constantly being told. So we were like, all right, let's rewrite this whole thing. So we spent like the year, uh, we spent the rest of that summer writing this, the album that we're finally getting to put out now. Mm-hmm. Um, we only ended up keeping two songs from the original album. Uh, and it feels so good, man. Cause it, it's like, finally we get to be putting out this work that we've been waiting years to put out. Um, our, our relationship with the label grew a lot. They gave us that opportunity. They were like, Hey, like uh, we knew, we know the studio that's producing this docuseries for uh, this Netflix docuseries for Bubba Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, I like knew who Bubba Wallace was uh, just from like following the news. And I thought it was a really awesome opportunity. I also thought it was a really cool, like unique opportunity to sort of challenge my own songwriting mm-hmm. um, because it's like, oftentimes, like I'm not given any parameters. It's just like, I hey, like, how do you feel like, all right, like look into yourself and just like start writing about sort of like what you want to write about. Um, but this was like, uh, they gave us like a list of other songs they were considering. And a lot of it was like, you know, I saw a bunch of like Jack Harlow, a lot of like, you know, modern day, like rap and hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, shit. So they definitely, at first we thought they wanted like a, like a NASCAR ripping, like old school, <laughs> like Leonard Skinner type. Beat. Sure. And then, then I saw the track list and I was like, Oh no, that's oh, clearly good. not, what, not what they're going for. <laughs> not um, really. A Jack Harlow's lane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I ended up being like, all right, like I think it would be a really awesome idea to try and write like, like a theme song for Bubba Wallace, like not mm-hmm. for the docuseries, but like for this guy in for specific. Him. Right. Um, and that's like, we, we ended up calling the song, Mr. Wallace. We sent it into the music supervisors. They ended up loving it. Um, we ended up getting, getting the spot for like the end credit scene on all the episodes. That's huge. Um, yeah. And it was, it was a really, it was a really awesome moment. I remember going to like the premiere of it and everyone was so nice. We didn't, you know, I still haven't met Bubba. Uh, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day, but he's yeah, a, right. Like, he's like, a be like, I wrote a song for you, man. 
I I know pay attention. <laughs> no, but um, he he's a really dope guy. He he's like a musician himself. He plays drums. It would be dope to like jam with him. But uh, yeah. yeah, record the song. I mean, I don't know if your drummer, but have him on the song. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think Attila would be okay with that. Uh, that'd be crazy. Um, you know, the one I don't know if like this is like interesting at all, but you know, the one thing that we were always even before anything we always had agreed on was equal partnership in all the songs, no matter your role in the song. Mm-hmm. Like um, I write all the lyrics um, and sometimes I help write some of the like instrumental parts too. Um, and sometimes Jasper writes all like Jasper will write like a bass part, a guitar part. Um, but no matter what, like, um, everyone gets an equal percent of the song. I think it came out of like, I think it probably came out of, you remember when that, that um, queen movie came out? Oh yeah. 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 yeah the Bohemian Rhapsody. We, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. You're right. Yeah. And they just talk about, yeah, you just see how it like tears apart the band, like from the inside <laughs> out. And sure. then it was like, you know, we talked to other people and they were like, yeah, that's like the smartest thing you guys could do. And it, it, it feels right too. Cause it's like, you know, these are my best friends. These are like my family. And it's like, you know, we, we either all succeed or like none of us succeed. So it feels, it feels like the best way to like go about it is just yeah. share, share, share on everything. I think that's smart too. Yeah. Instead of everyone has a, their own equal voice in it, instead of you showing and be like, all right, here's a song, here's the lyrics. And this is how it's going to be played. You play this, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of bands. That's how it, how it yeah, really and I, works. I think that that ended up being like a really, like, it's like a really strong thing, I think, because everyone ends up pushing back on everything and like everyone's own influences get, get thrown in the song. And it just makes it a lot more interesting. I think at the end of the day, cause it's yeah. like a little bit of here, a little bit of there, you know, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of spice. For um, sure. I, <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. The collaboration is, is huge on, on art. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, but what were we, what were we talking about? Oh, no, no, I was going to ask you about no, That's great. I, I was curious about the Mr. Wallace thing and the deck, uh, the docuseries went over. Yeah, the whole 300 thing. I'm curious now about the TikTok moment you had with Jaded. Oh, yeah. So we've had a couple viral like TikTok moments where I was like, oh, this is so cool. TikTok ended up becoming basically like, you know, the label would come to us and they're like, all right, like, so like, how are you guys planning on like promoting your stuff? Like, how are you planning on growing your fan base? And we'd literally be like, uh, like TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we had a couple viral moments, but the hardest thing I think on TikTok to do is make the pivot from just making like video content to making video content specific to your song. Sure. Um, because it's a lot easier for people on TikTok to be like, oh, I know, like they're playing like a cover, like, oh, they're doing the solo from like that song. Like, oh, that's so cool. Like, but to right. it's make familiar. It, like, an original piece of music and have them be like, oh, this is awesome, was something that was really, really hard to do. The, I'm, the first moment that that ever happened was um, actually with T Love, we dropped a like a harmony video of us doing like the chorus harmonies. Um, and this was like months, months before the song was even like ready to come out. And Ben Acker was wearing this funkadelic t-shirt that has these titties on it. And um, 
the next morning we wake up and I'm like, oh, it's only at like 5,000 views. Like that's, that's, that's okay. But like, you know, I don't think it'll be anything special. The day goes on. I check my phone again. It's at like 20,000 views. And I'm like, wow. oh, okay. like it's moving. It's moving. And then I check my phone like two minutes later. It's like at 25,000 views. And then I'm like, oh shit. So it's moving. Like I, I like every time Quickly. I refresh it, yeah. it's like going up thousands and thousands. It gets to 40,000 views and I go to refresh it. And then it goes um, content censored or content, content like taken down. And oh. I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm like, <laughs> No, and it was because of the titties. You oh, the shirt! Titties. Oh, yeah. bummer! And I was like, that was like heart wrenching because it felt like I was given the viral moment, and it was just they're like yoink, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, it wouldn't. Yeah, it really wouldn't be until we released um, Jaded that we had another viral moment with like our music again, um, and that was really cool. I I just kind of like. I didn't copy because I'm sure she wasn't the first person to do it, but um, uh, Pink Pantherist, like I know that she had a lot of success off of TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, and I went, I checked out some of her videos and like basically all it was was just like, you know, she'll just like be like posted up with her phone playing like the sound and it'll just be like waiting for people to notice, you know, like uh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was just like, all right, like, and I just made like, I just made like the title, like waiting for this to like, reach some people like wait, waiting for this to reach the right years. And right. I posted it. Um, and this was like maybe two days. This is, I think I posted it the day that it, it dropped really. And um, a couple days later, I checked my phone at eight o'clock and it had gone from like 800 views. I thought it flopped. I was like, damn, like that's a straight flop right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's gone from 800 views to like 3000. Um, and I was like, okay, nice, nice. I check my phone at 11 o'clock before I'm about to go to sleep. And it's at 125,000. And oh, I'm like, wow. I, going, I got super duper hype. I oh, was like, sure. I was going around. I was calling, I was calling Jonah. I was like, we were right. Like you believed in us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I called, I called like our manager. Um, and it, it was, it was a great time. Cause if it, it was like, damn, like it's really working right now. I like checked the Spotify for artists and there was like 200 people listening. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is great. This is great. This is great. Mm -hmm. It finally felt like we had found like the medium of like getting our music out there. Um, and we basically like, you know, we, we found the formula that sort of like worked for us in terms of like promoting and like doing that stuff. And we were able to, replicate it with T Love and T Love did even crazier numbers than the mm -hmm. Jaded one. I think the Jaded the Jaded TikTok ended up with like nine hundred thousand views. That's huge. Um, and then the the I think the T Love like all those videos combined probably like three million. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah so we ended up going from like thirty thousand followers to now we have like a hundred and like four thousand. Wow. Um, and so I mean really what I'm hoping for is as the singles come out, like we gain like those like 30,000 like per single so that right. by the time we're ready to release the album, um, we have enough eyes on us that, you know, we'll hopefully like be able to make a dent. Um, which, you know, the, the, my favorite part of it really is like, I love long songs. Like mm -hmm. I love long songs and like my whole entire life, in like the music industry, like just this past year, basically was just getting told like, 
you need to cut these songs. Yeah, like three, three minutes or less. Minutes. <laughs> yeah. And you love is like five minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah, it's a and long it was one. Like, it's great. With, with TikTok and with like, honestly, like the advent of being able to just post like a short clip of the song, like you end up, it ended up to like just kind of not mattering at all. Like how long the song is anymore. Because if, as long as people are hooked with that one, like 30 second clip, then they're mm-hmm. just going to listen to the whole song for that 30 second clip. And they're going to end up liking it. Um, and so that, that was, that was really nice to be like affirmed that you really can do um, not, not to talk about queen again and their inspiration, but, but you like, can really do a Bohemian that. Rhapsody. Type yeah. Song. yeah. It's like, <laughs> the label's like, you can never do that. You can never put out Bohemian Rhapsody. And it becomes like the biggest song ever. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Ben, thank you so much, man, for doing this. I love yeah, your guys' story. You. Thank love you what you're doing. Me. Yeah, I have one more question for you. I want to know if you have uh, any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I mean, my advice is like, keep your head down, move forward. You know what you need to do. You know, you just need to go out there, play, write. It's all sort of like, you know, as long as you honestly, if you have a phone, like, you have like the whole world. Um and like anyone is great you know like even if you don't think it like you could be great i don't know